I'm Christina Jurekides, and we're committed to making the seemingly impossible possible. We stand at the intersection of the values of humanity with the value of technology. Inspire for Impact, the podcast, is a place where we have conversations with inspirational entrepreneurs, community leaders, and representatives of organisations who are boldly creating a future by design. The good, the bad, the warts, and the inspiration. We're leading the way to be the change we want to see in the world. Conversations that bring to light the magic that is happening on a daily basis all over the globe. And welcome everybody to Inspired for Impact, the podcast where we bring you absolutely inspirational people. And I am so delighted today to introduce to you some of our partners, our our very much collaborators uh, and in spirit tenfold exponential thinking partners from Tenfold. Please meet Rich Hurst, who's the CEO and founder, and Danny Matthews, who is the Chief Impact Officer. Love the title, Danny, and I love the fact that it fits in so well uh, with this podcast. But I would love you to introduce yourselves. So, Rich, over to you first, um, and maybe a little bit of what inspired you uh, to start Tenfold in your intro as well. Fabulous. Well, thank you, Christina, for, for the opportunity to catch up and, uh, and and do something with you in a different capacity. So this is really exciting. Uh, so yeah, tenfold, 10 years in the making. I, I had a really wonderful opportunity to, to, to connect in with the executive community about a decade ago and just was blown away by these incredible thinkers and great business leaders and and uh, always had a dream of, I guess, maybe rebooting that model and, you know, and really exploring how we could embrace digital, how we could embrace uh, exponential thinking to, to add additional value and, and really ramp up the contribution that we're making. So, so yeah, we started Tenfold about 18 months ago and uh, it's been going really well and having a lot of fun and, again, just meeting amazing people and working with fabulous people like yourself and and Danny has really been my partner in crime from the uh from before launch and and so yeah it's a joy to be building a business with her and I must say we absolutely adore working with you and all the people within the community are very very special to us as well Danny Matthews over to you a bit of an intro thanks so much Christina and so grateful to be here speaking with you both today I think, yeah, just the chance to collaborate with Rich again has been very special. We used to, we previously worked together um, in the old business and we used to go and have ginger shots in Joe and the Juice Cafe in Sydney. And we just ideate and think, you know, just really challenge each other to think big. Um, And what I love about working with Rich is just his generosity of spirit. And he just empowers the team to think big, experiment, but also have fun along the way. Um, And my background's been in leadership and coaching. Um, And my personal passion is just connecting people to inspire action and positive impact. So this job is just bringing my whole worlds together and just very grateful to be on the journey with Rich and have wonderful members such as yourself. And I can't express enough to anybody listening that uh, Tenfold absolutely walk their talk, live their vision and values. And the title of this podcast is Get Real, Go Forward. Uh, Sorry, Get Real, Go Large, Give Forward which we're very much proponents of. So let's go through um, some of those some of those words. Uh, and I know that you actually put them into action. So we go from, from, um, from the talk to the walk. Um, so over to you both. 
give me some background and some context for Get Real. Yeah, actually, it's a good point. The context before content we always talk about. And uh, so probably some broader context even might be a bit helpful because we, we're, I guess what we're trying to do, I, I know you'll be familiar, Christina, with uh, Peter Thiel's great book, Zero to One. And, and what we've, in building this business, we've been really focused on trying to create new value. There's so many great executive groups out there already. The Chambers do an amazing job. Industry groups do cool stuff. Lots of them, Singularity University is an incredible collective of amazing thinkers from all around the world. So we sort of thought, well, let's try and create new value, not go from, to replace what's already there, but go from zero to one. And and, and so what our focus is, which relates to the values or our principles, as we call them, is our focus is really supporting the success of multinational country leadership teams. And so all the big global brands like SU that have an operation in Australia, it's working with the top teams of those companies. And, and our purpose, Tenfold Australia, is the purpose of the company and hopefully something that all of our members tap into as well, this desire to Tenfold Australia's impact for a better world. So very much purpose-driven. Our core audience is the multinational leadership community. Uh, but as a result of our purpose, we also have this cool sort of matching program. So I might even jump to give forward if that's okay, uh, which yeah. is part of our of our strategy around how can we make a big difference not just to the multinational companies we work with but broader society and so so danny maybe do you want to share a little bit about give forward and how we that sort of is underpins that focus on tenfolding the whole country's impact not just the multinational community yeah, thanks so much, Rich. So, um, so as you know, Christina, so every multinational member who joins Tenfold has the opportunity to nominate a local not-for-profit or charity to get access to the program for free. And we know you've nominated um, Natalie Isaacs and the wonderful One Million Women who are doing awesome work in the climate change space. So, you know, that's something we're definitely very keen to support. So it's just, um, it's a bit like Tom's Shoes, I guess, who we love as well. You know, you purchase something and then those in need get access to it. And we believe if we really want to tenfold Australia's impact to create a better world, you know, we need to really invest in, in the leadership capability of the not-for-profit sector, who often just don't have the resources to access some of the world's greatest content. And Rich and I always say the leaders are amazing. They're often social entrepreneurs and our multinationals can learn so much from the, the for-purpose and not-for-profit leaders as well. So we just think it's a wonderful win-win for everyone. And it's been such a, a joy to, to fuse the communities. And that's part of my role, really trying to bring together multinationals and the not-for-profits to create positive impact. And you absolutely do. Yeah, sorry, Rich, to, to cut you off there. Oh, no, no, my, my apologies. I was just going to say, we, we originally that principle was called give back. And it was interesting because one, mm. one of our not-for-profit CEOs wrote a great article on LinkedIn about not not really feeling comfortable with that term, give back. Sorry, I'll, I'll say again. Um, one of our not-for-profit CEOs uh, wrote a great article on LinkedIn about the term give back and how it's not quite accurate because it almost suggests we've taken away something from them and so we have to give it back. And he said, that's not the nature of the relationship. You know, we don't want to feel like one, we're being treated like a charity, but two, 
it's this is a sort of reciprocal relationship. And as Danny said, these all these charity leaders, not-for-profit leaders, they are social entrepreneurs and they can do amazing things and are doing amazing things, but they can do a lot with very little. And for our multinational leaders, there's some great insights and learnings that they are getting from those people. So it sort of works absolutely two ways. So give forward is more the focus. How can we all give forward and and contribute to uh, you know, greater, greater prosperity in all of society. Yeah, I love that. One of my favourite movies is actually Pay It Forward. Yes. Uh, it's got a great <laughs> soundtrack as well, but, you know, just absolutely wonderful, uh, wonderful storyline. And, and it is very much about that paying it forward. And it is very much about businesses now, whether they're multinationals, all the way down to, to and not, I don't mean down to, but all the way to, um, to entrepreneurs and startups there really needs to be that social impact, that social value that, that lets help everybody rise uh, and, and let's move everyone forward, leave no one behind because the disparity mm. in the world at the moment is, is more than likely a, a result of that, um, that, that leaving people behind and not considering everyone and not actually having that social impact. What's the, what is the, so yeah, and very much aligned with um, SU Australia around that let's help Australia have a disproportionate impact um, on the world. Can you tell our, our um, listeners some of the things that you do uh, that, you, that you have loved in that bringing together community? Because it really is, it's a very strong community. It's bringing together community. What can you share about how you brought community together that people can take into their own organisations or into their own lives? Um, Rich, I might go back to you first. Mm. Sure. So, so who is the community? We mentioned it's multinational. It's not-for-profit leaders. It's around 130 companies in total at the moment, uh, about 800 executives involved. We call them the community, but as uh, the fabulous work from Salim Ishmael talks about, it's not just about the community, it's about the crowd as well. And so we try and give away, which talks to another principle in terms of go large. We try and give away as much content as we can as well on LinkedIn and different social media channels because we feel like, again, we want to support the crowd, not just our immediate community. But our immediate community, yes, is that 130 companies, 800 executives or so. Um, and sorry, I've forgotten the question. Can you say that again, Christina? Sure. <laughs> it, was, it was what do you, so the, how do we bring together community? What can you share that communities can, that might be listening, can take back to their own communities awesome. um, in, in that greater context? So as you say, there, there's a plethora of, of things that you share out there in public forums. Um, but the whole ideology, what is it that you talk about at meetings that you want everybody to know about, um, regardless of whether they're a multinational or not, because that is, as you say, that's the targeted market that Tenfold yeah. um, works with for many obvious reasons. Yes. Uh, but what is it? What are the principles, I guess, yeah, that perfect. anyone can take? Mm. I think there's, there's sort of three big trends that we've seen, which mean that leadership development has changed and it, it, forever. It's not the same as it used to be you know, I, going back a decade, but even in the last 18 months, it's changed. And so the three big trends, one is exponential. So change is the old expression used to say is the only constant, but that's actually not true. Change is not constant, it's accelerating. And COVID is a negative example of exponential change, but there's lots of amazing positive examples of exponential change. And, you know, going back to the microchip, you know, doubling its speed every two, you know, all those sort of things, Moore's law, et cetera. 
Amazing examples. So this exponential change isn't new, but it is speeding up. And if your development as a leader isn't speeding up ahead of that, or at least in in time with it, you're going to get left behind really quickly. So a lot of the conversations we have and the way we design our program is to facilitate accelerated learning for leaders. So that's exponential change, you know, sort of uh, theme number one. Theme number two is plural. So what do we mean by plural? Well, plural is this concept that the the day and age of the hero CEO was kind of last century. It died with Jack Welsh. And since then, it's much more about the team. No one individual can ever know enough or know enough people to have the information they need to be able to make informed decisions for the success of their organisation or society at large. So it needs team to be high performing not just an individual so plurals are really key focus for it leadership being a plural um not a a singular uh, concept and so again that's theme number two and a big thing that we discuss is how do you create a high performance team not a high performance leader and then the third theme that we focus a, a lot on is all around so exponential plural and the third one is hybrid So, of course, everyone's talking about hybrid. What's hybrid work look like? Well, leadership development needs to be hybrid as well. So there are things you can do in person that you cannot do online. But there are things online that you can do that you can't do in person. And there are things when you've got online and in-person things happening simultaneously that are uniquely beneficial. So how do you leverage the benefits of those different channels? Asynchronous learning as well as synchronous. So on demand as well and as well as live experiences. These are all sort of aspects of hybrid that we are, have leveraged in our tenfold offering to make sure that again, you're leading and learning exponentially in a plural context and leveraging hybrid technology and experiences. So I love, I love the conversations about yeah. those. I love that, Danny. I know in particular as Chief Impact Officer, um, it, those connections are really important to you. Um, and Rich, going on the on what you said about the hybrid model, uh, mm. I you know that that whole um, shared learning at a at a leadership level uh, and leading like leading from behind, but also that personal development um, and personal awareness level that is becoming more and more crucial to to good leadership. Um, Danny, what are some of the things as Chief Impact Officer uh, have you have you been able to impact people with um, leading on from, from the whole leadership perspective? Yeah, great question. And I think it links to, to get real. I think we really, for other people to take some learnings, just really taking the time to, to get to know all the individuals in the community, which then propels a collective impact. And I find by, you know, spending time listening to our members, being there for them when personal things happen. For us, it's really not just about, you know, the things that happen on a day-to-day business. We want to be there for them when successes in life happen, but also during the tough times. And I think creating a community, it's about that. It's building trust, a psychologically safe space. I think having consistency, like with our women's pod, Christina, and the broader CEO pod we do, having those consistent rhythms of connections, you get to build trust And then the scaffolding around that, like we have our WhatsApp groups for some of the communities, which um, you have just-in-time learning happening in between the structured side. So I think that balance of the structured program and then also the unstructured side where we we set up the postcode pals. So as you know, a lot of our members are meeting in their local radius to have coffee and build community. Um, Now five of us can meet in certain areas to to have those more intimate relationships. So I think that's been... um, just that great sense of that individual level to propel the collective 
uh, and from the community level as well, our masterclasses, which you've been part of, just having the team attend as a unit and then spending time afterwards to debrief three questions to operationalize the learning. We think that sort of supercharged the leadership impact of the teams as well. Yeah, so it's very much that that team spirit, that collaboration, that all in. And one of the things I think I've enjoyed um, the most, particularly about the, the women's pod, is that uh, it's very much conversation around you know, CEOs, corporate organizations, people go, the organization, the corporation, we're all people, everybody mm. within, within a, a large organizations, we're all people. Uh, and I think at, at times that message tends to be forgotten at the at the wider level. So I think that, you know, all, the, all those um, connections, communications, and that safe space that you do create is vitally important. Um, how do you both find that the corporation is losing its uh, persona as the corporation and bringing on the, the individuals that are within that organization? How are you finding that, that message transitioning? Yeah, it's, it's a great um, question. Really go, Rich? Well, we, we hear, because a lot of our members that come in from overseas and so they're placed in to, to run Australia, New Zealand, having been in five other markets somewhere else around the world. And, and so they often tell us that there's something a little bit different about doing business in Australia and New Zealand. It's much more about the person than the brand. And so they're looking to connect at a human to human level here. That's more important that you've got someone that you know running the business so i remember hearing this with a you know with a, a printing company so it makes printers and obviously everybody needs printers um you know that's that's uh has and there's lots of great providers out there but it was this person was saying look you know the reason i'm in the the forum that we run is because I get to meet other CEOs and other CEOs want to know who's the person running the business that's behind the purchase I'm about to make, not who's the brand behind the purchase I'm about to make. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm. I don't know if that's uniquely Australian or whether it's, you know, but, but I, it sort of feels a bit Australian to me that we like to, we like to know people and know who's behind things. Um, and brands, we're not quite as tied into brands maybe as other, some other markets are. Of course, they're important. But, um, and price is important too, clearly, and quality and all those other things. But if you've got a face behind a brand, you're much more likely to go to that, that business than if, there's, if, if it's faceless. Yeah, and I just add, Christina, I think you were in the pod recently where one of our CEOs said, you know, remember, there's always a person behind the title. And I think especially with the, the mental health epidemic, talking, you know, actually asking leaders above us, are they OK, is such an important thing. Um, and I always often think, you know, it's people that run companies, brands are these things, but there's always people who, who are making the decisions. And even with, you know, AI and other things, I think, you know, there's always that human element. We were talking the other day about, you know, new world, same humans. And I think it's so important we remember mm -hmm. we're human beings, not human doings. And, and we really feel, Christina, and you know this as a CEO, that that uh, that you're, there is sort of this persona of, well, you've got to that level, you're almost beyond the the usual things that people go through. And, and, and everybody that you interact with is either trying to sell you something or need something from you. 
And, and so I guess what we wanted to build was some, a place where people like, whether they're CEO, CEOs or CFOs or CHROs or CMOs, whatever chief they are of, um, there's a place they can come and they're not being sold to and not being asked to do anything. They're just being, they're coming together to connect, to learn, to grow, to restore, to recharge and, and sort of get back out there. And, and so that's, feels a little bit unique uh, in some ways. And that's certainly an aspiration for Danny and I to create that space to really meet the person where they're at, get real with mm. them and, and create a space where they can get real with each other. And I've been blown away by the, the authenticity of the conversations. Authenticity is such a buzzword right now, but, but often it's not necessarily, you've got to create a space where it's, it's safe to do that. And, and hopefully we've done that and we'll continue to invest in it and make sure that anyone joining it you know, feels that way as soon as possible i think you're, you're right it, it it can feel like a buzzword but it, it's like some of the other words that are being bandied around like hybrid like authenticity like trust um when they land they really land and i think that's part of that hundredth monkey syndrome so the more you use authenticity the more you use trust the more people will fall uh, into those behaviors as well so i'm i'm very much uh, aware that we I remember that the, there was a time um, when I thought to myself, if I read one more meme about I am enough, <laughs> I'm going to lose it, you know. And then there was one day when I was uh, having a, a bit of a down moment, you know, CEOs do have down moments, as we all know. Uh, I, I was having a bit of a down moment and then I, I read the meme and it actually landed. It really landed. Mm. And I went, I am enough, you know. Mm -hmm. But getting back to what you were saying uh, around um, what it means to be a CEO, and, and what it means to, to be in, in a, a C-suite position. I think there is also an increased relevance and increased importance and increased reliance on emotional intelligence. And I, I think that is also something that is coming through, particularly around a lot of the conversations um, that happen um, within Tenfold. And the, the reason that I would love to bring this up for our listeners is everybody that listens to Inspired for Impact isn't a CEO of a large organisation, but I think those human qualities are the same. Um, can you talk a little more to the points around what those human connections mm. mean, regardless of what level of an organisation you're at? Mm. Yeah, great question. And we often talk about, you know, the the humble leader, the curious leader, the, the caring leader, um, and also energy has been a big topic for us this year. And I think any level of an organization can take that. Rich and I talk about hiring for energy and how that's actually even more important than, than skill set sometimes. And just having that, you know, we call ourselves realistic optimists because we don't want to be, um, you know, Pollyanna. But I think what this has taught us is just, you know, having, having that sort of energy and, and gratitude as well. I think that's such an important piece for any leader can take I know it's been one of my biggest personal practices that's made a difference is you know the gratitude journal and talking with my little boys about what they're grateful for every day um, so they'd be some of the traits that I'd definitely say for any leader to focus on what about you Rich? Yeah I, I think we're all leaders in some capacity and if you sort of define leader as someone of influence or providing direction to it might be you're just you're a leader of yourself and that's a pretty important role to take responsibility for uh if you can't lead there then it might be hard to lead anywhere else but we all have influence so yeah we're CEO whatever the title is you know mum dad brother sister 
your friend, we all have uh, influence in some way, shape or form. So these humanistic characteristics are so critical. And it goes back to that leadership is plural concept before where, uh, you know, we can't ever be enough by ourselves. And so if that's the case, then we need to understand uh, emotion and psychology as much as we understand the facts and the figures behind any situation. In fact, we probably need to understand emotion and psychology a lot more uh, because they're, as we know, they're the things that drive decisions ultimately, not necessarily the facts and the figures. So I think this, this, is, this, is, a, this is a cool time of, to be alive. My background's uh, organisational psychology and I've specialised in positive psychology and, and uh, actually did marine science and, and psychology as my majors. I, I've never worked out how to bring those two things together, but um, <laughs> I'm still working on it. But, uh, but certainly the psych piece, I just feel like that should be a, a, like a critical, a, a compulsory subject at school and all through university, because it's just, it is the super skill of today to understand how we think, why we think, you know, what drives our thinking and our emotions. So, yeah, that emotional understanding, and you, you, you'll be familiar, Christina, with Susan David's work emotional around emotional agility. Like if there's one book you read this year, pick that one up and read it because it's such critical research to understand how do we learn to use emotions as data, not direction. You know, emotions are a powerful informant, but a terrible master. You'll, you've heard these expressions before, I'm sure, but it's so true. Like, how do we really learn to listen to our emotions and others' emotions and then choose how we respond going forward, as opposed to letting the emotions determine our response? These are subtle nuances that take and take years of practice and by no means have I got there. But, um, but they're great skills to build, no matter what sort of leader you are in what aspect of life. Oh, it's funny that you should say that, um, Rich, because I remember in the conversations, as you say, Danny, with your children, you're teaching them how to be grateful and, and recognising gratitude and everything. And I used to say to my children when they would get angry, you're choosing to be angry, you know, be careful what you choose. It, it affects mm. your body in all these different ways. And uh, I got angry. It's funny how you, your family are often the absolute best teachers in, in, in many regards. And I got angry one day and my daughter looked at me and went, you're choosing to be angry. <laughs> That's gold. Like, oh, it is. It was absolute gold. And I just went, you know, and this is part of that. It's that whole practice, isn't it, really, of we need to, we need to walk the talk. Um, and sometimes things do get the better of us. And we often say to some of the startups that we work with, five minutes on the floor, fetal position, kick and, kick and do whatever you need to do. Yeah. And then we all need to get back mm. up again. You know, we all need to get up and, and move forward and show that resilience. Um, yeah. I think resilience is a big thing that has been a discussion around some of the pods that we've had. I'd love it if you could share some of your thoughts on resilience from that corporate level. And, and mm. like, I, I truly believe that everything that comes at a corporate level also comes at a personal level, comes at a, at, at a small to medium business level as well. But can you share some uh, examples of how you've seen some of the corporates that you work with or that, you know, that we're all involved with at the moment? Um, show that resilience during the last 18 months to two years? Mm. Yeah, so great. I'll share a few thoughts, Rich, while I'm sure you've got some as well. So my favourite definition of resilience is not bouncing back, but bouncing forward. And how can we, 
you know, take that strength through the tough times and not just get ping back to where we were. And I think COVID's a perfect example of that. Rich is actually doing a session for one of our multinationals next week. How can we carry forward the great things about the pandemic and what we've changed in ourselves rather than just reverting straight back to, to old habits? So I think, um, you know, for all organisations and people to think about that, you know, what would I like to, to carry forward from this time that we can lock in as great habits for the future? Um, and thinking of some examples, wow, I'm thinking there's lots that we've worked through. I think for some of our members, it's been trying not to let people go during this time and, and thinking about how they can be, you know, as resilient as they can to hold on to their people and make some tough decisions in other areas. But, you know, that sort of care for their people. Um, you, and sometimes that is letting people go because the business needs it. But I'm trying to think, Rich, I'm sure you've got some examples from your advisory work. Yeah, I, I've resilience it, i'd love it daddy we hadn't have, we've not had this conversation with each other but I, I could not agree with you more because you know the sort of more technical definition of resilience is that it, you go you sort of you know if you bend something it goes back to where it was that's resilient but to me that sucks like, like <laughs> if, if i've been bent backwards the last thing I want to do is just get back to where I was. I want to be better than what I was. And, you know, Churchill famously said, you know, never waste a good crisis or supposedly said it. Um, I love that expression, whoever said it. Uh, you know, like, don't just get back to where you were from, from a, a, a setback or a, some sort of trial. Like, get better. And my, Danny mentioned her personal purpose. My personal purpose is to help people find their better selves. And, and I, I really feel like um, this resilience piece, it's another great buzzword, but it's so important as well to understand not how we just get back to where we were when we've had a setback, but actually how do we use the setback to set us up for success? Mm -hmm greater levels of success and and personally I've you know I've been through some crappy things in my life you know recently and probably get a bit emotional but um you know like I've lost my mum my dad and 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 my son died um 10 years ago and so you know massive losses in my life and 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 all of them quite unexpected so yeah. we all lose mums and dads at some point you know sadly when that happens but for my mum and dad it's like it was they were just totally unnecessary the way both of them died and not that any death is necessary but but it was just unexpected. And, and, and I, I, after my dad died, especially I went on a three year, like, you know, just real journey of self-discovery, you might call it, but you might also call it just total dysfunction <laughs> and, um, you know, bordering on sort of post-traumatic stress and, 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 uh, but I was high functioning. So, you know, that meant I, I was coping with life and I was going to do my job. My work was my escape. I got away from the negative thought patterns by focusing on work. So it was actually my coping mechanism. And so work went really well during those three years. But as soon as I switched off from work, the just the thinking patterns were so toxic and dysfunctional. And it was really incredibly hard time, lots of counseling, huge amounts of support. And luckily, you know, my wife and I got through it, but it was, geez, it was tough. And I just feel like, um, there was a point in that journey where I felt like fire out. The last thing I want to do is just get back to where I was beforehand. I want to be a much better version of myself because I've gone through too much pain in my own journey and caused too much pain to, especially my wife through that journey. And, and I, and so I've got to be better. And, and I think this, this is a mind frame as well, that going through something like COVID and any sort of disruption, it's this, you know, how do you choose, you know, to choose that, 
and it sounds like a bumper sticker, but it's a good one and it rhymes. So I've always remembered it, but you know, whatever you go through grows you and choosing to believe that is a, is, is a choice like getting angry and you can choose just to go, well, whatever I go through, you know, I don't have control over it and something, and I'm a victim and whatever else. And those thought patterns are very natural and often reasonable. They're just not that helpful. And so finding belief systems, mind frames, as I call them, not mindsets, because our minds are not set, but there's a frame of reference that we have, we can look through to see the world around us. And if we can choose mind frames that support us in our organisations as individuals, um, in friendships, relationships, whatever the context is that serve us and help us to be better ultimately and help us to contribute to in that way to others around us, then that's awesome. And I think one of those mind frames very simply is yeah, whatever we go through grows you. And to believe that in the crappiest times can be really hard, but sometimes it's all you've got to hold on to. And that's kind of where I got through and you know, three years on, I haven't been perfect since I've had a couple of little setbacks and blips, but, but I, yeah, really feel like that's one of the keys to resilience is, is how we choose to interpret what we're going through. And uh, COVID's provided the whole world with an opportunity to experience that. So my greatest hope with COVID is that we, we, uh, we do come out of this far superior to the versions that we went into this with as a, as, as a country, as companies, as communities, as individuals, as families, as friends, whatever roles we play in life. And, and I do believe that's happening already but let's fight for it let's really work for it and hold ourselves accountable to that better outcome because it's we've been through too much as a planet to sort of come out the other side and just get back to normal that would be a disaster i actually talk about it as pushing the dial forward so i we, it's almost like we need a new word that's a that's a mix of resilience persistence and and bounce forward as you say and uh mm -hmm. you know we were very fortunate to have um sam porthorn close our close yeah. out mm -hmm. in march and his whole talk was around bounce forward Rich, I want to thank you so much for that vulnerability uh, and sharing that story with us. And I'd just like to share this one with you as well, um, because I think it very much fits uh, what you're talking about. But um, some years ago, I lost my two grandmothers within an hour of each other. Uh, and then I lost my mother three days later. And, wow. and I went through, like I'm feeling, I um, just felt empathy with everything that you just said. Uh, and I think my greatest learning from that was, do I believe the things that I say that I believe? Am I living my truth? Uh, and after a lot of discovery, as you said that you went through, I came out the other side going, thankfully, yes, this is my truth and, I, and I'm living my truth. But as you say, it, it was such a period of growth um, in the end and it does take you forward. So not that you would wish anything like anything that we've all experienced, um, and you know, especially now with COVID, not that we would wish that on anybody, but if we can take those lessons, then it hasn't been a wasted period of time. And I, I very much echo what you're both saying around, we need to move beyond um, what, and I, it's funny because, it's not funny, it's, I, every time I hear somebody talk about a new normal, I kind of get this little, Oh, thing I go no like you know it's not a new normal because as you said life is constantly changing you know change is the constant and it is happening faster and faster but it's also producing opportunities um, that that have never presented themselves before the other word ideology um, and and attitude that we all have in common is an abundance mindset mm. Mm. 
So I can't believe that we've been talking for over half an hour already because it feels like five minutes. Um, but, but maybe, you know, I, I do have a closing question for you as well. But before we go to the closing question, um, can you just both talk uh, about the idea um, of an abundance? Um, you know, I, I love what you said too, Richie, mindset, your mind is never set. So an abundance mind frame, uh, I'm, I'm going to adopt your terminology there. Talk to, talk to our listeners about what it means to have um, an abundance mind frame. Yeah, great question. Can I just say thank you both for, for sharing so vulnerably? And I know Rich has, has written about sharing his learnings of that time to help others. And it's often a blog on LinkedIn I share with others. So maybe that's something we can link to in the resources. And just, you know, I love how you both, you, you keep the memories alive. And I know for Rich and I, you know, Dougie, his, his late dad, there's always an elegant solutions become part of our DNA at Tenfold. Um, and his mum, Susie's sign from the universe is a dragonfly. And that's been a a sign we keep seeing at key moments. So I just love how we're sort of keeping the, the memory alive. So I just wanted to say thanks for sharing and allowing others to feel space to do, to feel safe to do that as well. But on an abundance mind frame, we often talk about, you know, all of us are smarter than any one of us and there's so much good to go around. So we, I once, one of my mentors once said, he doesn't believe in, you know, competition. It's, you know, cooperation. And how can we all, I've always thought that. I always want to go into partnership conversations, open, and there's so much to go around. And just thinking, you know, what can we gain rather than what can we lose or have that fear mind frame is, is such a, a good one. And generosity of spirit, such a, a big thing for us. And, you know, why we, we attract hopefully partners like you, Christina and Lisa, who have um, a similar mind frame as well. So I just think that abundant thinking, there's so much to go around. You know, we're all better together. Um, so my, yeah, my tip is just to always try and come at things from that mind frame, not what am I going to lose from this, but what can we all gain together and how can we create something that's better than any one of us is something Rich and I often say. Mm. So good. Thanks, Danny. And thanks for your encouragement too. Um, and, and yeah, abundance for me is a really big one. And, and, it, and it's kind of funny. I think, again, probably some parts of society have, got hold of that better than others. And, and so it can feel a little bit sort of almost spiritual and, and that's cool if that works for you, but for other people, they're going to go, ah, oh, that's a bit, bit out there. Um, I, I think if, you know, you can look at it quite scientifically as well. It's uh, there, there are aspects of the world that are limited hundred percent, you know, like there's, there's, there's only so much coal in the ground. <laughs> there's only so much, there, there are some things that are limited. It, so we're not saying that everything's in abundance, but what we're saying is, well, where do you focus your energy? Because you can focus on the things that are limited or focus on the things that are unlimited. And so again, it's a choice. And, and I had a great conversation with Raj Shasodia, who's the co-founder of Conscious Capitalism. Again, you'll, you'll know him, Christina, and he's just such an awesome guy. And, you know, and he, he said, I have a real issue with the term human resources because <laughs> resources are limited. You know, there's resources like you dig something up out of the ground. It's a resource, a mineral resource. And at some point you'll run out of it. He said, the term I much prefer is human resourcefulness. And, I, and he said, because if you think about the role of you know, people in HR, like th their job is to tap into the resourcefulness of people and think of it more like the sun, which is just this incredible source of energy and, and abundance. And, uh, and it's kind of like, that's what we want to tap into. 
And, and so it was a sort of a shift in terminology, but I really liked it. And, and, and again, so it's a matter of, well, where do you focus your energy on the limited things around you or the things that are unlimited, the things that are going to prosper and become bigger as a result of the, uh, you know, the focus that you've got. And so I think that's what I mean by abundance. And, and I feel like, you know, again, it's just coming back to being deliberately you know, intentional about where's your energy go, um, where's your attention go, and, and your energy follows. I love the saying, um, where focus goes, energy flows uh, as well. Um, before we close, and I really could speak to you all day, and I think maybe we need to organise a part two uh, to, this, <laughs> to this podcast, do you have a final um, word or a final comment or a final um, point of inspiration that you would like to share with our listeners? Danny, do you want to? lead off first yeah thanks Christina and I guess one thing I've been thinking a lot recently is um Johnny Lewis's quote whether I get this exactly right or not but you know if not us then who and if not now when and I just think you know off your singularity conference and we've formed a climate change group which has been amazing and and I just think you know we've all got an opportunity every day to try and make the world a little bit better and have a ripple effect and you know create a legacy so that would be mine and, and mine would be a really nice piece, of, great piece of research McKinsey did. And I heard, heard uh, uh, we're doing an interview with Jim Laura, who's an amazing high-performance psychologist uh, next month. And, and he said something similar, which was just this importance of focusing more on your to-be list than your to-do list. And, and how so often we get caught up in the tasks and the activity and ticking boxes and working through the things we need to do. Um, but to have more attention and focus and intention on how we want to be is really key. And a, and a, a great speaker we had last month, Peter Fuda, you know, he, before we, we did a three-hour workshop, or he did a three-hour workshop, which I co-hosted, and uh, just amazing, amazing guy, one of Australia's, you know, true global thought leaders. And, and he talks about, you know, really thinking about how do I want people to feel in this workshop? So it wasn't what are we going to do in the workshop? Like we talked about that, of course. But the last thing we talked about before the workshop went live was how do I want people to feel after this workshop? And again, it's that focusing on the B level, not the do level. And, and I think when you focus on that, it's all up to you because you choose how you want to be. Whereas the do list is often determined by other people and other variables and you don't always get through it, but the B list is yours to own and to deliver on. And, uh, and I think if we're a bit more, all a bit more intentional around that, myself included, um, gosh, I think, I think life would be a lot more enjoyable and, and uh, abundant. And I keep referencing back to um, Think and Grow Rich uh, by Napoleon Hill, who actually says it's the human, um, the human quality that people will remember uh, and the human quality that we need to, to push forward. Danny Matthews, Rich Hurst, it has been my absolute pleasure and honour to host you on this podcast. I'm inviting you back um, for podcast number two. We will discuss <laughs> the messages that we want uh, to, to share with our listeners um, over the course of time, and then we will come back to them. Thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you um, for walking the talk and being the people that you are. And 
impacting the world in the way that you both are. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Christina. Thanks for inviting us, Christina. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it, like it, share it with your friends. Uh, and as you go forth, inspire, see where you can be impactful on the back of the conversation that we've just had. Let's be grateful for every day, every second uh, and every connection that we can make. Thanks for joining us.